0: This is episode 14 of the Sugar Mamas podcast, and today I get to speak with Rebecca. Rebecca is the mom to a six-year-old little girl named Ava, and Ava uses a fun little gadget called the Medtronic iPort Advance. This is a port that you insert right underneath the skin, just like you were going to do a regular insulin injection. But instead of having to puncture the skin each and every time, you can put the insulin through a tiny little tube in the port and the insulin goes through the tube into a cannula and is delivered into the subcutaneous tissue, just like a normal insulin shot. The Medtronic Eye Port has been extremely helpful for Rebecca and Ava. It's given Ava a lot of confidence in her diabetes management. It's helped with the pain that is associated associated with insulin injections and the fear of the pain that's also connected to taking shots. Plus, Rebecca mentions another little bonus that it's helped with in their diabetes management that I hadn't even considered before we started this conversation. If you have a child who really struggles with the pain of having to take so many shots each and every day to manage type 1 diabetes, or if you know someone whose T1D is struggling for that reason, then this episode is for you. I hope you guys enjoy the show today. Thanks for stopping by to listen. You're listening to the Sugar Mamas podcast, a show designed for moms of type 1 diabetics. Here you'll find a community of like-minded women who are striving daily to keep their kids safe, happy, and healthy while navigating the ever-changing world of type 1. I'm your host and fellow T1D mom, Katie Roseborough. Welcome and enjoy the show. Before we get started, I need you to know that nothing you hear on the Sugar Mamas podcast should be considered medical advice. Please be safe, be smart, and always consult your physician before making changes to the way you manage type 1 diabetes. Thanks. All right, everybody, I am here with Rebecca, and by this point in time, Rebecca, I will have already told people a little bit about who you are, but first things first, I will let you introduce yourself, and go ahead and tell us your connection to type 1 diabetes.
1: Okay, hi, my name's Rebecca. Um, my little girl, Ava, who's six years old, she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes last June, um, so that's my connection.
0: yeah. Gosh, I didn't realize it was so soon. You know, it's—I I didn't realize it had been less than a year.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was last June during the pandemic, so totally the wrong timing. If there is a right or wrong timing,
0: yeah. How did you know that something was going on with her?
1: Well, we—I—I I actually had no idea about anything involving, t- well, any sort of di- diabetes at all. Um, so she started coming home from school just before the lockdown. Um, to say that she was really needing the toilet all the time and she wasn't allowed to go and she was quite upset about that um, and that her tummy was hurting all the time so we took her to the GP and they said oh I think it's anxiety that was it no more I just took it as that um, and then we went into lockdown and I really noticed a difference in her then she was eating so much I mean she was eating more than me and her dad just eating and eating and constantly saying I'm starving mummy I'm starving," and getting really upset about it and the more I gave her she was just eating and drinking that was another kind of running joke in the family that she was you'd give her a glass of water and she would just neck it in two seconds and then came the weight loss um it was rapid very very quick and it was it was then just it was about a week before she was diagnosed and I was cuddling her and I was thinking I feel really uncomfortable cuddling you because she was just skin and bone, literally. So I weighed her and took her to the GP and that's when she was diagnosed within the hour. But it was more, it does worry me that I think if we hadn't have gone into a lockdown, it scares me to think what might have happened because I think it was because of the lockdown that I actually noticed that there was a rapid, rapid change in her. Other than that, she, she was kind of fine in herself. But it was just the physical changes that I noticed because she was with me all the time. So, yeah, that's what. That's what made me take her initially to get her tested, but not for diabetes. Just I thought that something might be wrong, but never in a million years did I think it would be diabetes related.
0: That's interesting that you say that about the lockdown and how you think you noticed because she was with you more. You know, I I was with my kid. My daughter got diagnosed right at the end of summer last year, so she would she would have been with me anyway. She wouldn't have been in school. And I it kind of took me a while to clue into the symptoms, but... When she got diagnosed, it was the day before school started. And in the state that we're in, in Florida, they were, the kids were allowed to go back to school right away. That was not the case in most of the United States, I would say, but in my state, they let them go back, which I was extremely grateful for. However, because of diabetes, I kept her home for the first nine weeks of school, but that wouldn't have even been an option for me to keep her home and kind of learn this whole new life and way to do things and get used to the injections and the schedule and all that stuff, had it not been for the pandemic. So as much as I hate this, and I say that because our school offered both options, you could either go to school and learn in person, or you could stay home and learn virtually. And so we had that option. But Had it not been the pandemic, we, I don't know what we would have done. I mean, we have a program called hospital homebound where if kids are out of school for a medical reason, they, you know, they can get, they can still get educated and teachers will come to your house. And I guess we would have had to do that or homes, just do homeschool, like traditional homeschooling altogether. So I feel like the pandemic was such a curse in so many ways, but there's also certain ways that it was a blessing for for us. I mean, it gave us that time together to kind of get used to our new normal. And I mean, like you said, for you, it kind of allowed you the opportunity to spend more time with Ava and really notice the changes in her that made you take her to the doctor. Yeah, I totally agree.
1: Is she back in school now? She's back in school now, yeah. Um. so as you say it was kind of a bit of a blessing the pandemic um mm. as soon as she was diagnosed um she came she came back from the hospital and she was st- we were still in lockdown so mm. the the one thing for me is i never ever want her to feel different um mm. so if she had had to stay off school um, while all of her friends were still going there because of diabetes i think that would have been quite it would have affected her mentally. So the fact that we, as you say, like yourselves, that they could come home and we could all learn it, while everybody else was still at home, was a blessing for us. And she's been back a few times, and then we've gone back into lockdown again, and then she's gone back, and then we've gone back into lockdown. But she is back now, and I think because we got that time to properly kind of learn as much as we could about diabetes, I mean, we're still learning, but we got to learn a lot while she was at home with us. She's gone back in such a positive way, and also quite independently, because we've had that time with her, for her to learn to embrace that she has diabetes rather than hate it, which hasn't always been the case. So she's now confident to go back into school and she will stand up and say, this is my Dexcom and this is my iPort and she's happy and confident and she can do her own injections and she can tell the teachers what needs to be done. And I'm really grateful for the time that we've had. And now the fact that her education isn't going
0: to suffer from it. And also the social side of being back at school too. Oh, that was huge. That was huge. I felt like Sarah, again, while it was a blessing that she could be home to learn diabetes, it was it was so hard on her socially and mentally. And she was doing okay with school virtually. But once she got back in the classroom, I mean, I just saw a total change in her grades. And you know, just her motivation to actually do well in school, it was, you know, we're their mom, we're their mom first. So they love us, but they don't want to perform for us and make us happy in the same way that they want to perform for their teachers and do well for their teachers. And you know, there's I think there's a little bit of that competition with classmates too. like, you know, I want to I want to do good, which it's necessarily a bad thing I wanted to ask you so you're in the UK correct Yeah. where in the UK are you um so we are from a place called Milton
1: Keynes
0: which is kind of like the southeast I think I'm terrible at geography (laughs) okay that that makes two of us I have no idea where Milton Keynes is so I'm gonna have to go look it up on a map when I get off when we get off this call It's near to London. (laughs) Okay. It's somewhere around London. Okay. Somewhere near London. (laughs) I'll find London on the map and then I'll just do a circle around it and try to find Milton Keys. I'll be there somewhere. (laughs) Okay. Um, But I'm kind of curious to know, so how do they do it in your school system? Because in the United States, it's actually illegal for the school. If the school is funded through um, any type of federal funding through the government, or if they get funding from like a state program, they are legally required to have somebody in the school who is trained to treat and help children who have type 1 diabetes. It doesn't have to be a nurse. Um, A lot of schools do have a nurse in the school, which is wonderful, but it doesn't have to be. But if they don't have a nurse then they are legally required to have either a nurse or a diabetes educator or an endocrinologist come in and educate and train the staff on taking care of a type 1 diabetic. So how does it work in your school system? So
1: in Ava's school, I don't know whether um, it's kind of the same across all of the UK schools. I know that it will be roughly the same, but everybody does different things. In Ava's, two members of staff must be trained. Um, at, the moment, at the moment, she has four Two of them being staff members in the year above what she's in now, so that they're prepared for when she goes up in September. But so her PDSN team at the hospital will train the staff members. I don't know how it would work outside of COVID, because it's only really COVID restrictions that I know of, because obviously this all happened around the pandemic. But the two staff members that were initially trained go into the hospital. They train them how to um, care for her and then she can go back. But it's not specific staff members. It's kind of whoever can be on call. So they have in UK schools, I don't know if it's the same in the US, but they have something called the medical room. Somebody in there that is first aid trained. So it's typically... Them that will be trained, and then another staff member who, in Ava School, is the main admin in reception in the office. So it's it's those two that care for her at the moment. But it could really be anyone. It could be her class teacher. It could be the class teaching assistant. But yeah, as long as as long as there's at least two members of staff trained,
0: um, that's how it works in Ava School. So does she have to leave the classroom to go to the medical? room to get treated um she does uh, i try we are
1: so thankful that she has got the dexcom um, because that kind of stops that as much because i can see her levels at home I purchased a phone for her for the, the staff member that looks after her and i can text her all day so if ava has a hypo i'll text the teacher if they haven't already and just say can you just nip in and give her some sugar and that's it. Whereas before she was having to come out every single time um, and she's also hypo unaware. So she would have to be pulled out of the classroom all of the time just to keep an eye on her blood sugar. She does obviously have to go out for um, insulin. So before lunch, she'll have to go out for that. And if she needs a correction or something, she'll need to go out for, for that. But other than that, not really. It's It's undisturbed. So thankfully, not too much anymore. But to start with, before the Dexcom, she did a lot and it was really horrible because it really, really upset her. She spent more time out of the classroom than in it. And um, I mean, they wouldn't catch hypos early enough. So quite often she would have to sit and wait for her hypo to be treated at lunchtime So she'd miss her playtimes and she'd have to eat her lunch on her own, which is obviously not what you want for your children. It would just break my heart every day. So now that hasn't happened since. So we're very, very lucky that she has Dexcom.
0: Oh, that just breaks my heart to think about. No, it's so sad. (laughs) It's it's awful. It's so sad. How long has she been on the Dexcom? She's had it since October, I think, last October. Okay. It's been a game changer. Is that something that's easy to get in the UK or is it covered by
1: insurance? So um, it can be funded Um, you have to meet a certain criteria and it has to go to um, a group called the CCG. So your hospital will put forward a form um, explaining why this child needs or anybody. It doesn't have to just be a child. Um, why this person needs the Dexcom. Um, and then it goes to the CCG and they come to a decision as to whether they will fund it for you or not. You can self-fund it, but if you are eligible for it to be funded, then they will fund it for you. And because Ava is hypo-unaware, um, it's funded for her. So we're really, really lucky and grateful for that because it just makes her life so much better.
0: Yeah. No, I. we are... Every day, I'm think about how grateful I am for insulin, number one, and um, and the Dexcom. I just, I don't know what I would do without it. I mean, I'd be, uh, I think I'd worry a lot more. I mean, I already worry enough, but I'd worry a lot more without it. A hundred percent. So do you guys do school year round in the UK? You And the reason I ask is because at least in the US, like the months of um, June, July, and August are usually like the summertime. So everybody's out of school, but you said she, was she in school last June when she got diagnosed? No, no, she was. So she didn't
1: start until September. So they go. I, I totally forgot about that, actually. Well,
0: of course, of course, she wouldn't have been in school because it was the pandemic anyway, right?
1: Yeah, no, I'm getting so confused because it's been the pandemic. I don't know what month it is, what day. it is. Um, no, so the school year starts in September, and they will break up um, for summer in July. So they have July, August, and then the first week of September off school. Um,
0: and then they go back in September. Okay. So, it's pretty similar to us too. Yeah. How has it been where you are with lockdown? I mean, I don't know about you. Okay, I, I don't watch the news very often mainly because I just can't handle it. Like I just feel like the news just the media just um they really use that, you know, fear-mongering tactic and I just can't stand how they sensationalize everything and everybody's ar- always arguing and anyway, I mean, I, I kind of check in every now and then, but for the most part I I just have to stay away from it, which you know, call me ignorant or or whatever, but that's just what I have to do for myself personally. And I don't want it on all the time anyway for my kids to hear it. Or so I I feel like I've been a little disconnected from what's going on in the rest of the world in terms of the pandemic. Are you guys were you guys on like super duper lockdown? Did everybody have to wear a mask?
1: I, I agree with you in turning it off. I think we have to worry about as well as well as this um, exactly. So, um, we have been. Yeah, we have been very, very super duper lockdown. Uh, we've, I mean, we've relaxed the rules occasionally, and then we just end up straight back into another lockdown. So it's face masks everywhere at the moment. The only thing that's open are schools, supermarkets, and you can only go if you really, really have to. We are starting to relax them as of kind of April, things are going to start to slowly open back up. But I mean, Christmas was total lockdown. We couldn't see anybody over Christmas. It's been very full on. I'm very, very grateful that we haven't had COVID. Um, We've been very lucky and we're very lucky that we've got our family to be isolated with. And I think especially now after Ava's diagnosis, our main aim is to keep her safe. But I'm, I'm very grateful that the schools have reopened so that they can get back to some normality and start kind of living our life normally again. But I'm just hoping we we're expected to kind of go back to complete normality as of, mm-hmm. I think it was like the 21st of June, um, our Prime mm-hmm. Minister said. Whether that happens or not, I don't know.
0: But at the moment, it looks like there might be a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's wonderful. The state where I live in, Florida has been maybe one of the most relaxed states in the in the United States. Um, I mean, we've we all have to wear we have a mask mandate. So when we're out and about, everybody has to wear a mask, the kids are wearing masks at school. In fact, one of the wonderful things about doing this podcast is I get to have conversations with people without a mask on. (laughs) It's strange. I know. I'm like, oh, I can see your teeth. That's so nice. It's so different. I'm not used to seeing people's lips. I know. So, But our state has been pretty relaxed. I mean, it was one of the very few states that let kids go back to school. In Florida, You know, we have the beach and people, the beach is closed for a very short period of time, but then they reopened them, I think, because they realized it was probably good for people's mental health and it was outdoors and the sunshine is good. So they reopened those. Um, Lots of stuff is open in Florida. And I think Hopefully we'll be able to go back to complete normality as well sometime around June or or so. I, I even heard recently that our governor is thinking about lifting the mask mandate for our state, which I don't know. I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but yeah, it's kind of nice to know we won't have to wear them forever. So earlier you mentioned Ava's on the Dexcom, and you quickly mentioned the iPort, and I really want to know more about the iPort because so many kids after they're diagnosed, Sarah, my daughter included, just. They are terrified of the shots. They're terrified of the injections. The injections hurt them. You know, I think every kid's pain tolerance and perception of pain is different and i think for some kids it really 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 is a very painful experience and i've been hearing a little bit about the iport and and what it does for kids but i want you to tell me about it since sarah's never been on it because she kind of quickly got much better about tolerating the shots i would say within about two or three weeks of diagnosis so we didn't ever have to go that route but i want you for all the listeners out there to explain what the iport is and and uh, how it's helped ava
1: yeah of course um So when Ava was diagnosed on the first day, as I said before, I had no idea kind of what diabetes entailed. When we got to the hospital, it was just the insulin injections were, were just constant, and I didn't expect it at all. As you know yourself, like every time they eat, pretty much, they need to have an insulin injection. And Ava like Sarah, kind of ended up tolerating it quite quickly. She doesn't mind injections. She absolutely hated them to start. We'd have to pin her down. Um, It would take kind of up to an hour to inject her because she would just be screaming, screaming, Um, We had to cut her out of her onesie at one point because she just would not, she just point back views and she kind of turned into a different child. It would be like, like the exorcist, literally. That's the best way I can describe it because they just turn into someone you don't recognize. And it was just so heartbreaking to see her like that. And then eventually she did, she kind of just accepted that that's what she's got to do. And she's kind of been fine up until this point but she will only let me inject her legs she will not let me inject her anywhere else and she ended up um, developing a condition called lipohypertrophy where there's like a fat buildup of tissue underneath the surface of the skin, um, and it stops the insulin from absorbing properly. Um, every time we'd go and see her consultant, they would say, "Ava, you have to inject somewhere else because your insulin isn't working properly." I mean, she'd got all of the emotions going on with high blood sugar because her blood sugar ended up being high quite a lot of the time because um, it wouldn't, in, it wasn't absorbing properly, and then the the Um, kind of pressure on her to have to inject elsewhere. And she ended up saying, I don't want to eat. So I would make her dinner and she'd say, I'm not eating it because I don't want insulin. I don't want insulin. And I could stand there and force her to have it and end up with her screaming every time, or there's something I've got to do. So I, I was following a Facebook group and somebody had said um, on this Facebook group that lived near to me, I've got these iPorts and my son, my son doesn't want to use them. So does anyone want them? And she lived quite close to me and I didn't know what they were either. Um, so I spoke to her a bit and I thought, oh, well, that sounds really, really good. I'll give it a try. So I ended up um, having the ones that this lady was giving away and they are amazing. So I don't know whether Sarah's the same, but Ava um, doesn't like change very much. So yeah, Sarah's the same way. Exactly. I think a lot of them are. And I think when they've been through and they go through what they do, I can completely understand why. The port is, it's kind of like um, a sensor, but the needle is exposed. So you can see the needle. So of course, when I showed her, she said, I don't want that mummy. I don't want it. So I actually apply Ava's at night when she's, so she just doesn't know. She might wake up when I put it on but it will literally be for a split second then she never remembers so it's basically a cannula that sits under the skin and you inject into the plastic bit rather than the skin so it doesn't the insulin injections don't puncture the skin and the cannula you change every three days the same as a pump Ava's on the waiting list for a pump at the moment so I did also think it might be um, a good kind of starting point so when she does get that, she'll be used to the kind of three daily change. But yeah, it's I, I apply it to her wherever I want in the night. So she doesn't know that I'm rotating sites, but I actually am. And you just inject in it's like a little jelly bit on the front of the port and you inject into that rather than your skin she doesn't feel her injections at all anymore um I put one on myself when we got them because I wanted to say to her I understand what it feels like when it goes on I I think that's important as well because we get that a lot you don't understand Mummy. you don't understand but I do understand how to put it on And it's so much less straining for her. For example, if she kind of just wants a snack, if she's at school and her friends are having a cake and it's yet another injection into the skin, it doesn't matter anymore because it just goes in to a plastic port. So she doesn't feel it. And it's given her so much more confidence to do it herself too. So she actually, at the moment, I don't know whether it's a bit of a novelty but she can't, she wants to eat. She can't wait to do her insulin because it doesn't hurt. And I think because she's had so many injections, to now be able to have them with zero pain is just amazing for her. And it's
0: she loves it. She absolutely loves it. Oh, and that's wonderful. And I think it's great that you do it at night and she doesn't even realize it when she's sleeping. I was going to read off of the, the iPort is a product made by Medtronic. And I was just going to read the little paragraph description that they have on their website for the listeners. And then I have a, a couple more questions about it for you. But it says, it takes the shots for you. iPort Advanced Injection Port lets you take your medication without having to puncture your skin for each shot. It's easy to apply and easy to use. The port can be worn for up to three days and during all normal activities, including exercise, sleeping, and bathing. So that's what Medtronic in their little tagline is less pain, more comfort. So, how do you get it on? How do you get the cannula underneath her skin? Is it similar to the Dexcom where there's like a whole, you know, button you push and it springs in there? It's kind of like a mixture between the Dexcom
1: and the Libre, I think that's how you say it. Um, it's so you don't stamp it on, you do press it, but it looks like the Libre. So it, you kind of you pull it pull the can like the needle up on the inside and then there's two buttons at the side. You hold it where you want it and then press them and it just shoots it in. Um, and then you pull it out, and then it's it. Then it's inserted. So it it is pretty much
0: like a sensor. Did you? I know you do it while she's sleeping, so she might not know if it hurts her or not. But did it hurt? What did it feel like to you when you put it on yourself? So I've I put it on her twice while she's awake, but because it's a because it's a change, she
1: does get herself very worked up, which is why I've changed to doing it to her while she's asleep. But when I put it on myself, so um, it feels just like a little pinch. And then it probably stings for about five minutes after. You get sort of that sensation. And then that's it. And then I f- totally forgot it was there. Had I, w- I put it on my tummy and I wore it for the exact same time as she did for the three days. Um, and I didn't feel it at all. And I also put a needle into it because she was scared to do that too. I think because she's so used to um, injecting into her skin, even though that's worse she was so scared to try to do it anywhere else, because I did apply it to her tummy to start with. And that's somewhere that she finds really, really daunting to inject. So she was scared. So I put, um, I put one into mine. And there's not you can't feel it at all. So it,
0: yeah, it's nothing. What a blessing for kids and families who are struggling with that. You know, I think fear is a big part of it, too. Even if kids kind of, you know, get used to the the pricks and the pokes there's still a fear associated with it and you know that can be just as debilitating as the pain itself is the getting worked up over it and the fear um so does it take when you inject the insulin into the little plastic port does it take how long does it take for the insulin to kind of get absorbed through the cannula
1: as far as i know i'm not um, like a medical professional or anything but going by my own um going by my own kind of experience with ava um, it doesn't really take much longer than it would if it just went straight into the skin because it just goes through the pores. Ports very small and it just goes through the port. I, I'd say it's about roughly about the same. I know that um, if you inject both basal and bolus, you can't do them within an hour of each other because they can it needs time to kind of disperse. So usually, um, for example, I do her bolus uh, I do her basil at nighttime when she's asleep um, and usually she does rise at night too. so I will kind of do a correction bolus in the in the iport, but then I'll inject her basal still into her leg or anywhere just to make sure that they're both working. and also, just from my experience, you can't see the, the cannula when obviously when it's under the skin. So I will always, always inject her basil still into her skin just in case the cannula bends or it's faulty or something. Because with everything that you use like that, you can never be 100% sure that it's definitely going to work. So I think the basil is important to still go in the skin just so that it, you know that that's definitely in there. And if the cannula is bent, the only thing that you're going to have missed out on is that
0: bolus. Injection, which you can remove and sort out quite quickly. So you're saying that the people that make the eye port say you can do basal and bolus in the same port as long as it's at least an hour apart. But you prefer you prefer to still do the basal at a different site under the skin because you that way you 100 know that it's going in. Yeah, that's correct. I think
1: if they if they don't have their basil, that's going to cause a lot more more problem than if their boilers hasn't gone in.
0: Yeah, Sarah recently got on the Omnipod. Oh, okay. Yeah. And for the most part, we absolutely love it. It's been such a godsend, such a blessing. She loves not having to do injections, you know, six, seven, eight times a day. I love not having to go in in the middle of the night and actually give her an injection with a shot. That's been one of my favorite features. But it's there's definitely the, I'm kind of always wondering like, well, is that cannula really? In there, like yet for instance, just yesterday, she was running really high, like not high enough to the point where I think the thought the pod had totally failed, but definitely higher than normal. So I kind of already thought something was going on, and I was texting with her at school. And finally, she texted me back, and she said, "Because I was like, do more insulin, do more insulin. You know, this is going on for a couple hours now." She texted me, and she said, "Mommy, there's insulin leaking out of my uh, there's insulin leaking out of my pod, like onto her leg. So I don't know if all of it had been leaking out or maybe just some of it. Like maybe the cannula was partially in there. I don't, or kinked. I'm not even sure, but that, that's hard. Like, you know, and so I actually went up to school and helped her change the, the pot out. But when I was there, I was like, okay, we're going to do, because you've been running high for so long, like we're going to do an injection under the skin with an actual needle before we change your pot out, because I want to know that you're at least going to get this amount of insulin. So yeah, those, the, the Omnipod has a little window, so you can kind of see the cannula, but it's so tiny that even with my flashlight and my phone, you know, it's hard to really say 100% like, uh, yeah, I, I think it's in there. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure. I'm 95% sure it's in there. That that's the um
1: pump that I'd really like Ava to have and um, the om- mm-hmm. I think with with everything like that for like the pumps and with the iport for the most part it does make your life easier. Something like that that's man made is is never going to be 100%. You're going to get days like that and for us The iPort is such a good kind of middleman for injections and for the pump while we're waiting for it, because it's really, really helped us to kind of get ready for the pump as well as making it easier for her injection. It's it's helped us to go through the three daily changes to sit. We've had a bent cannula, so it seems to look like we know what we're looking for. So when she does go on the pump, if that happens with a pump, we know why. And um, yeah, I can't wait for her to be able to go on a pump too.
0: <laughs> How long do people typically stay on the waiting list for a pump? So at the moment, um, they're not at,
1: at our hospital. I know that they're, it's a bit different um, at other hospitals around the UK, but at our, our hospital, they're not doing pump starts because of COVID. So I've been on the waiting list since November because she really needs to have a pump because MDI is not is not working for her. She's either too low, too high. She can't she needs kind of she's currently on two and a half units of basal and two is too little and two and a half is too much. But they're just saying you just have to wait. So no idea. They don't know either. Um so it could be quite a long time.
0: Mm. I'll keep her in my thoughts and prayers and hopefully she'll get one soon and they'll they'll lift that restriction. I wanted to to mention, well, you said that, um, you know, anything that's man-made like the Dexcom or the pump is bound to fail at some point in time. And I sat because Sarah, Sarah hates change so much. Like you said, Ava hates change. And I sat her down before we got on the pump. And I was, I was like, this is not going to be perfect. This is going to fail. We are going to have to do pod changes when you don't want to. Um, it is not going to work a hundred percent of the time. Cause I think she was under the impression that like, oh, once I get on a pump, like life is just going to be so much easier and I won't have to worry about anything. And I just wanted her to know, I don't want to scare her, but I wanted her to know that like, be mentally prepared for, you know, there's still things we have to think about and uh, look for and worry about, and it's just not going to go perfectly all the time. And I I think that has helped her deal with some of the pod failures that we've had. I mean, in the Dexcom since I'm, I do not know if you've ever had a Dexcom sensor fail on you, but you know, that happens too. And I think that has helped her, you know, just to kind of mentally process, okay, it's not, it's not going to go my way every single time, but we'll get through
1: it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think, I think as well, um, like you can buy nice stickers for them and things like that for them, can't you? So I think if, for, for us, if if one fails, because we have had Dexcoms fail on us too. I think the thought of being able to choose a nice sticker, <laughs> another one for like, a, I mean, Ava's only six for her is trying to keep the excitement in it. Like diabetes is not going away. I mean, we're trying very hard to kind of like we're doing a fundraiser to try and help do our bit to donate to help find a cause but at the moment uh, to find a cure sorry but at the mm. moment it's not she's got it and we have to try and make it exciting and make it positive and there are hard days really hard days which I know that you're probably very well aware of but for the most part something like a Dexcom fail is is hard because you have to do it again but there's all these pretty stickers to to choose from again and Ava absolutely loves videoing herself doing it because she she gets all the nice I mean she doesn't she doesn't monitor the Instagram page that I have I obviously do that but I do sit with her and read her the lovely comments from the most amazing community that we're all a part of and she loves it she absolutely loves it And I just think things like that make it kind of fun, in a way, as much as it can be. Like like you, I have sat with her and said, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows when you get this Dexcom. It's not, I mean, it will be much, much better than constant finger pricks. But there are going to be times when I have to wake you up at three o'clock in the morning and put another one on you because it's failed because I can't keep you safe if you don't. It on and she's been so resilient to it. I mean, I don't think she's ever moaned about it when I've had to change it. She's got upset, and and that's fine. Of course it's fine. And she talks to me about it, and we might cry together sometimes because it's okay to cry, it's okay to feel sad, and it's okay to feel very overwhelmed. But we need to pick ourselves back up after and continue
0: because <laughs> we've got no other choice. Yes, that is very true. Oh, we we have very, very sad moments over here. You know, not every day. Some days are some days I feel like we hardly even think about having diabetes and then some days are really, really hard. You know, like you, I just sit with her and sometimes I cry with her and then I cry some more after <laughs> after I leave and I'm by myself. You're exactly right. What other choice do we have? I do exactly the same. Exactly the same. And I think it's so
1: important that they also see you cry as well i know that sounds bad i mean when i get really upset i try to wait till the evening but when she's upset and she's sad and she's finding it hard it makes me sad and i she like i think it's really important that she knows that it's okay to cry it's okay to cuz that's normal and it and it is hard it's really 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 hard i think one of the hardest things that anyone can go through because Every day is a battle. It really, really is. And it's hard. And you cry when things get hard. And I don't ever want her to feel, oh, mummy doesn't cry. So I've got, I've got to be strong all the time because I think it's so unhealthy to kind of bottle things up and kind of adjust your feelings as to what you think you should be feeling. But, yeah, I mean, we've shed many a tear. <laughs> and we've had really really hard days and Ava's really struggled and we've had all the I I hate diabetes why do I have to have it we don't know anybody else in person that has it we met a couple between the lockdowns we met a couple of local children and that I actually met through Instagram and we went and met them in person and it was just incredible like you kind of have a connection with these Strangers kind of just this such a strong connection because you know what any, everyone is you know what each other are going through, and I think it's very, very hard to understand unless you live with it or you live with someone that's got it. but yeah, sorry, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent there,
0: <laughs> no, I think that's great. Hopefully once things have relaxed a little bit more, you can see them more often and you guys can be become better friends, but I had to do the same thing for Sarah. I had to find her. Somebody that was her age and a girl, because, you know, at that age, they don't want to they don't want to have anything to do with boys. So I had to find her somebody that was her age around her age and a girl that she could relate to on that level. Um, Real quick, you've mentioned your Instagram account a few times, which is how I know you or met you. Um, Would you be okay with if people want to see the iPort? Because you've posted some pictures and some videos of Ava um, doing an injection through the iPort. Uh, would that be okay if I put that in the show notes? Yeah, of
1: course, of course, yeah.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, I will do that. So before we before we sign off today, I, I want you to tell me one thing that you guys are struggling with right now with diabetes management and one thing that you feel like you're doing really well with, with diabetes management. Um, the thing that I think we are
1: finding quite difficult um, is probably keeping her levels where we want them to be. I do think... This is mainly, it will mainly be solved through her getting the pump, which I can't do anything about right now. But as well, I think it's kind of knowing how different foods react. I do think I need to learn a little bit more about kind of carbs and I mean, I know the basics, but not very in depth. So that's something that I could work on and improve. Um, But that is, that's the big struggle at the moment is the trying to keep her She's either too high or too low the majority of the time. So, like, that's something that we do struggle with. But hopefully over time, I, th- I mean, she's only been diagnosed kind of nine, ten months. So I think she's still in a honeymoon period as well, which that doesn't help. So hopefully in time that will get easier. And we're, I know that it's never going to be perfect, but hopefully we can get it under some sort of control. And the thing that I think we are doing well at, I think, is staying positive mainly. I think we, that's something that's really difficult and something that we've really struggled with. And I know that at one point, I just thought, this is the end of the world. We're never going to be happy again. Uh, My once healthy child is now not healthy. Um, She has to battle every day. She doesn't, she hates who she is because of what she's got she's a diabetic. Like I literally in my own head labeled my daughter at one point and thought, this is just going to be awful. And then just kind of one day it just kind of clicked with us that there's no way out. We can't get out of this at the moment. This is how it is. We have to just kind of get through the hard days and embrace the good days. And she can do everything that she wanted to do before she had diabetes and more because she knows what it is to kind of struggle every day and she does it and she has all this knowledge that no child should ever have knowledge of but she does and she's thankful for when she feels well and she's just thankful for everything I'm, I'm really proud of her and I think in answer to your question i think we are good at staying positive through what is a really really tough journey the majority of the time but we still cry all the time
0: <laughs> well like you said i think that's normal right i think 100% i would i would be worried if you weren't crying <laughs> i don't jump around for joy every single day <laughs> i think i i think with every chronic illness i would have to imagine that the attitude you have towards it and the outlook is half of the battle, uh, you know. So good job, mom, trying to stay positive and, and you know, keep everybody looking on the bright side, even when it doesn't seem so sunshiny. No, and to you, though, doing this is just amazing,
1: getting to speak to another mom that, that gets it. This is just really lovely. So I absolutely love what you do, too, and Sarah's so brave and so strong and so are you because it's hard even though we don't go through it it's hard to see the one person that you love the most in the world go through it and have to manage it and try our best and sometimes diabetes just does whatever it wants and we're there trying doing the same thing as we did yesterday when everything was fine and today it's not and yeah it's it's a tough old show but we've got this (laughs)
0: Mm, yes, we definitely do. That is so true. Diabetes does not play by the rules some days. I just, anyway, it's it's crazy. The other day, Sarah was running so high, and I know her pod was working. Anyway, I think it's the dinner we had the night before. It was like pretty high in fat. And I mean, I was just dumping insulin on her, and it was just not coming down. Nothing was happening. I'm like, oh, diabetes, you're just not playing. You are not playing nice today. No, bless her. I know. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. I've, I've really, this has been a really fun conversation. I, I love I love hearing about different uh, cultures and kind of how things are managed in different places. Um, even within the United States, I feel like things are, well, especially during the pandemic, things are handled differently, but I've just loved learning from you and talking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was lovely to speak to you. You're so welcome. Well, I I know I'll see you around on social media, but we'll sign off for now.
1: (laughs) Nice to talk to you, Katie. Bye.
0: Well, once again, we have come to the end of our show. If you'd like to find Rebecca and Ava on Instagram to check out the iPort and follow their precious page, you can find them at Ava's Type One. D journey X. I'm going to spell that one out because it's pretty long. So it's at symbol A V A S underscore T Y P E, the number one, D J O U R N E Y underscore X ava's type 1d journey x i'm also going to put a link to the medtronic iport advance in the show notes you guys should really go check out this gadget it's pretty cool sarah and the rest of our family were kind of already past the trauma of insulin injections and the fear and the pain when we first learned about the iport but had we known about it sooner we probably would have given it a try. I also love what Rebecca said about it being an easy transition from the iPort to pumping because of the three-day wear time and just having to wear it for the three days. You're kind of already used to that if you're using the iPort. So making the jump to an insulin pump after that isn't going to be all that different. They, of course, have not made that jump yet. They're waiting for their insulin pump day to come. But she's hopeful that when it does, the switchover will be smooth sailing. You guys, thank you so very much for listening Truly, I can't thank you enough. If you're enjoying the show, tell somebody about it. Spread the word. Word of mouth, on social media, wherever you like to share things. The more moms and caregivers of type 1 diabetics that I can encourage and equip and inform with this show, the better. Because that's my overall goal. Thanks again. Love you guys. Bye.